Hey, Drew. Hey, Steve. If you sign an entry-level contract in the NHL, what would be the first thing that you bought on impulse? On impulse? Yeah, on impulse. First thing you think, something that you might not buy, something you would just see and be like, man, I can afford that now. I'm going to buy it. A new set of goalie pads. Oh, Are we including God. that's coming? Are we saying the team? Because I've always been in love with Brian's custom work for goalie pads. Yeah, but you're getting, so <laughs> you, what, were, you were playing for a NHL team. What, that's what have, I'm asking. Is that included in the contract or not? You would get equipment provided. Something that isn't uh, hockey related. Something that isn't hockey related. The first thing that I'd buy? Yeah. That's a tough one, huh? Well, that's a tough because I'm thinking like, well, I'd probably go for a vehicle. Okay, fair a enough. Vehicle is probably something. Right. I'd deck myself out with a Subaru BRZ, probably go with the full sport package, maybe a Nissan GTR, R34 <laughs> though. The old gonna... school. Right hand drive, imported. 2JZ engine, if it doesn't already have one, yeah. Probably a car. That was all in one year, right out the other for me. I have no idea what any of that means. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you're going to want to know what. Kill Makar is spending his entry-level money on. Wait, 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 wait. Let me guess. You're never going to guess it. There's he no point. He bought a giant inflo- inflatable pizza island for his cottage. No, he bought a Slurpee. Hey, that's respect. I don't like Slurpees, but that's respect. <laughs> yeah, a reporter asked him if he uh, was... What was it, any impulse buys he had this offseason? And he just looked at him and said, Well, I was driving by... I was either a corner store or 7-Eleven, he said, and uh, bought a Slurpee. You don't, and he said, I don't usually do that, but I, I did it. Hey, good for him. That's affordable. It's better than a car. Yeah. Oh, well, more affordable so. than a car. I mean, I could go buy a Slurpee right now if I wanted, so I wouldn't call that an impulse buy <laughs> on something like that. Well, either way, <laughs> it's an interesting one to go for. No, I but, dig that. Uh, I dig that at all. Welcome, everyone, to the second episode of the podcast. I just wanted to lead off with that because I've been waiting to tell Drew that all week that that happened. and Because it happened a week ago. It was maybe, I think, the day after we recorded the first episode. Don't look at me. You didn't tell me. I didn't tell you on purpose because I thought it would be better. Okay. What what was yours? What what would mine be? Yeah, what was yours? I I don't know. Maybe a nice cottage? I don't know. Entry-level money, like... I don't think I'd be able to buy one, but nine hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah, but that's if I'm on the. That's if I'm a high end rookie. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You think I'd be a high end rookie? Well, hey, you never know. Yeah, I but that. let's think. Let's think splurgeously. Anyways, that's uh, that's a good question. I like that. All right. So just on the card today, you got a few things. Talk about all the Mitch Marner speculation, which I know I said last episode mm. that I wouldn't talk about it that much, but some more things went down. So. Kind of have to go through that. Uh, Kevin Fiala resigns. Justin Falk trade rumors. Wierenski also resigned, and Jake Gardner signed with not the Leafs. So we'll get into all that, and we'll start off with Mitch Marner. So according to Darren Dreger, the Leafs have been persistent in offering Mitch Marner a seven or eight year deal worth eleven million dollars in annual average which would be a 77 million or 88 million dollar deal which is more money than i think i'll ever see in my life that's unfathomable to me but even bigger news he's turned it down 
he did turn it down. It's it's a reported deal, so there's no. It's just speculation at this point. It isn't a uh, confirmed thing that happened within the Leafs organization. But uh, as we know right now, it would make him the second highest paid winger behind Artemi Panarin. You know who would make him paid? Uh, who? Where? How would I put this? You know who he would be also paid more than? Uh, Steven Stamkos. Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, Alexander Barkov. No, I was going to say McDavid, Burns. But he's, a, he's a center. McDa- but either well, way, McDa- say, I'm just saying much. in general. This isn't he's, just wingers. Yeah. But uh, uh, Nikita Kucherov, who put up 130 points last year. That's that's the one I was thinking of. Kucherov, yeah. yeah Hedman, so he's more than Hedman. Pretty much he's would make him a top four, maybe top, actually, I think after Carlson's extension, I think he would be top five. Paid players in all of the NHL. So who, who do he, we have up there? I'm just curious. In just the top. Yeah, in give me the, give me the top five. If you're thinking he's top four, top five is we know Panarin's above him. Is McDavid's averaging 12.5 a year? Yeah, 12.5, and that we talked about that last year, uh, last week when he actually turned down the 13 and a half. Yeah, but he still he still is the the highest paid player in the league. Yeah, so McDavid, Panarin, well, in no particular order, McDavid, Panarin, we'll say Mitch is up there, well, would have been up there with this deal. Give me who you think is in, your, is in the top five. Uh, you already said he's paid more than Crosby, you know, Stamkos. So I would have, if I didn't know the contracts, I would have said Kucherov. Um, Kucherov isn't even in the top what, ten, I'm no. pretty sure. Yeah, Kucherov's not even in the what? top ten. Are there any goalies? There is one goalie. Okay, it's Carey Actually, Price. no, there's two goalies now after Bobrovsky signed. Okay, so it's Carey Price and Bobrovsky then. I probably shouldn't have said Bobrovsky, yeah. Yeah, I, w- Bobrovsky. I probably wouldn't have gone Bobrovsky, but I was. if there was a goalie, it would have to be Carey Price. Yeah, so some of the other players that would be on that list, Connor McDavid, we've mentioned before, Artemi Panarin, and this is going 1 through 10. Okay. And some of them are tied, so there's going to be multiple, there's going to be more than 10 people. Austin Matthews, Eric Carlson, John Tavares, Drew Doughty, Carey Price, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Jack Eichel, Sergei Bobrovsky, and Andrzej Kopitar. And what's Andrzej Kopitar averaging? $10 million. $10 million. Wow. So with that being said, if Mitch Marner denies $11 million, and let's say he wants like Matthews money, which is what we've all heard, and it's basically confirmed at this point that that's what he's looking for, we're looking at... Uh, Marner being paid more than Eric Carlson and John Tavares, even though John Tavares was pretty much the guy who made him a big deal in this city. He was a great, great player, but Tavares, when he came to Toronto, only had a four-point increase in his production. Marner had, I believe it was 25. (laughs) So, yeah. So are you saying he would warrant Matthew's money? No. No? I don't think so. Okay. Would he warrant $11 million? No. What would you give him? Nine and a half, ten. They were over, uh, giving him a three-year, weren't they? Yeah, but I think three years is too much for nine and a, nine and a half, ten. I think three year is too little term for that much money because Kucherov is being paid that much money on long term, and he is art not even arguably he is the best winger in the league. That is no question about that. He's better than Marner, hands down. Puts up point, scores goals, gets assists. Is basically amazing in every aspect of the game. Where Marner's also pretty much is kind of similar to that, but I still think Kucherov has that edge on him. I don't, and uh, Kucherov and Mark Stone are the highest paid wingers in the league, and I don't 
think that uh, Mitch Marner is much better than either of them, and he's not 1.5 to 2 million dollars greater than them. You said Kucherov, Mark Stone, and then Panarin would be up there as well, as far as yeah. oh yeah, Panarin would also be up there. But Panarin was is a was a UFA. He was going to get that money regardless oh, because it's right. a, it's a bidding war. That's true. It's, true. Uh, Marner, I'm sure if he was a UFA, would be getting that kind of interest in money, but he's not. He's with the Leafs, and at the end of the day, I wouldn't say he's taking advantage of the situation that he's in. I would. I would say he's 100% taking advantage of the situation. There was, I read a quote earlier saying that, I have no specifics on the players, but a GM was talking saying that this particular player held out until right before the start of the season, but always had the intention of starting and signing before game one. Just to stretch it out and see how long he could get and see if he could get any more. But you're seeing now, especially with the Nylander situation, players are willing to wait out and sit out. Oh, yeah. And we see it right now. Still. Bluff. Like, Wierenski just resigned, and there's a bunch of other RFAs that have yet to resign as well. And we're still yet to see where that's going to end up going. And there's, with all the Marner talk, it's been, I haven't heard anything on Braden Point. I haven't heard any, I've heard a little bit online, actually. I heard that they're yeah. most likely going for a bridge deal. That's what I'm hearing. I heard a little bit on Tuchuk as well, but it wasn't anything good. It wasn't that they were coming to a deal. It's just that there had been speculations, and I believe he turned down one of the deals. Uh, Are they far apart? Deals. I think Tuchuk wanted, uh, I, I can't pull numbers. It was just saying that Tuchuk had been given an offer that was worth uh, five years and was good money, but not great money, and he felt he was worth more seeing as he thought he could fit into a leadership role in the future and that he wanted to stay there long-term uh, and the Flames organization wasn't putting up quite the right numbers for him. But there's only been one attempt. Publicly, I've only read one attempt at to chalk. Hmm. Interesting. Well, right now with the minor situation, it, it looks like he will be training in Switzerland for the time being. And we're yet to see if he... I, he's not going to play games there because Nylander never played games for any European team, and I doubt that Marner would do that. But uh, he could hold out. I don't know if it's going to be Nylander length, but I feel like now that players have seen... Because no one went to the length that Nylander went. No one waited until the very last day as an RFA to resign. He's the first and only player to do that, and it shows that it just doesn't work in the player's favor. As soon as he got back, it was evident that tra- not being at training camp Oh, was yeah. a disadvantage for him. And I think that it's going to help him a lot more now where I think people are underestimating him. And I think he, honestly, I don't know if this is a hot take or anything, but Nylander's going to put up 70 points this year. Steve's calling it now. Nylander's putting up 70 points, all right. I'm calling it right now. I like that bid. Just pulled up numbers just because we were talking about Kucherov numbers. If Marner had signed, the comparison points, just straight up points, 2018-2019, 128 points for Kucherov. In 82 games, Marner, 82 games, 94 points. So you're talking, that's a significant 34-point difference between the two guys. And Marner wants $3 million more. It's just, I, it's just crazy to me that that is the situation that we're in. And I it sucks that uh, as I'm a Leaf fan, and it honestly isn't bothering me as much as I thought it was going to. But uh, at the end of the day... It just, I'd rather see him play than uh, have him sit out for a bit. Oh, wouldn't we all? But I feel like it, you could say the same thing about it, all the other RFAs, too. 
where I I want Braden Point playing this year. I want Kachuk playing. I I'm well, not against me, but I want Kachuk playing in the league. I'd like to he's see a phenomenal him player. I just don't like when Kachuk plays plays your team because he just is the worst to play against. But he's the best at what he does. Exactly. He's he's he's, he's Brad Marchand 2.0. He's probably better at his job. I was going to say he's better. I think he's better. Brad Marchand is good. I don't know the numbers, but I would gather that Kachuk will be a better player in the future than Brad Marchand. I think Brad Marchand is more compared to before he he really broke out of his shell. He's not as much of a, a rat, I guess. <laughs> you sure that haircut's uh, with the mustache? Oh man! But uh, he he's uh, got point production now and working in his favor, and he's not just that guy who's gonna go out and be an agitator. And instead, he's gonna go put out a hundred points, be the agitator at the same time. And will do so much for that team, whereas Kachuk will is plays more of an agitator role than I think Marchand does, but still puts up a lot of points. And that's he says just getting out of his entry level contract is already putting up very good points. Oh yeah, and, and being the agitator. All, all these are this whole RFA class is super super strong, and the NHL picked the wrong time to raise the cap by basically as little as they possibly could. Would it? Do you think it would have made a huge difference? Because we're still oh, yeah. having the, but we're still having the issues. Is the Leafs have offered? It shows that they want to keep. If they're going to offer him, if Marner, sorry, wants his big money, close to Matthews' money, he's got to stick around. He's got to commit to the team. Yeah, but a lot of teams would have an extra two to maybe three and a half million dollars to work with, which give, makes it a little more. It makes it easier for them to navigate the salary cap, and then what if. Let's say Marner doesn't accept the eleven million and the cap's higher and it's eighty three and a half or eighty five. Marner probably gets an offer greater than eleven million, probably maybe an eleven and a half, maybe I wouldn't say twelve, but maybe eleven and a half on a short term deal that he wants. Which which is dumb. I don't know why. Because if he wants Matthew's money, why does he want a short term deal? That doesn't make any sense to me. I just I think he's playing long game. He's playing long game and saying that, all right, I'm going to give this order. Because they made a good run. There's no doubt, apart from getting knocked out by Boston again, they made a good run. They put up a good season. I think he wants to see if he can ride it out and where the organization is going to look short-term. Because if they start to make a dive again, the short-term deal allows him to jump ship as a UFA sure. or RFA, depending on what he signs as. Unlike committing to a team, maybe he just doesn't want to commit for seven to eight years and not have the freedom to say, all right, this team just took a dive. I'm in my prime now. I'm getting all the points. I'm putting up 100-plus point seasons, but I'm on a losing team. He wants to go win somewhere, right? Yeah, we talk about this hometown kid and all this stuff now, how he's uh, he's Toronto's boy, and now we're in a situation where it doesn't seem like he wants not, – not that he doesn't want to be Toronto's boy, but it doesn't seem like he is Toronto's boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just mm. – it kind of it's frustrating at that point because we kind of everyone in Leafs Nation vilified Nylander for asking for eight million because that was too much, and yeah. now we have Marner asking denying eleven million dollars per year, which would make him one of the highest paid players in the, in the league, on the same level as John Tavares, and we're saying that's okay. You do what you need to do, Mitch. I don't understand that, and I think people are looking past the fact that. He turned down $11 million, which was the money he wanted. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say because it was an, a seven-year contract. That looks like 
Just looking at how the reports are saying, that looks like why he turned it down. Okay. It's, it might it might be the term. Yeah, I could see that. Well, <laughs> maybe they'll throw out six six years. Just I don't know. Find a happy medium. Works. I think a five, a four to then the four to six range is gonna be where it's he's gonna take. I don't think they're gonna find a happy medium. Honestly, it's just gonna be a point where Marner's camp. Let's say they ask for twelve and a half. Dubas will be like, all right, here's your twelve and a half. And then Marner's like, no, I asked for fifteen. Like, no, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, we did. <laughs> like, right. there's never gonna be a middle. That's it's gonna be. Marner signs by at the latest end of September. Are we gonna predicting? S- I'm going to say Marner signs by the end of September. No. What are we? September. What day does the season start again? Ninth? Like training camps? No, the re- first regular season game. Uh, October 2nd. 2nd. Okay. He's going to sign by the end of September. I'm going to say right now, September 30th, 11.59 p.m. He'll sign for a four to five year deal for $10.5 million. Hmm. That that's is what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to say. I I think that's too much. I think he should be signing for a four to five year deal. I would only be giving him nine and a half. I agree. But they gotta they gotta sweeten it up somehow. He turned down eleven over seven, so maybe they're gonna try and go ten over five because he also turned down nine over six or nine over three. Sorry. If I'm gonna make a prediction as well, now that we're playing that game, I think he signs. Maybe as training camp starts to gear up, I'm. I don't. When it when is that? Training camp starts soon. I because the rookie tournaments are all wrapping up, and it shouldn't be too much long after. I know the Leafs media day is tomorrow. I was gonna say so, I thought that some reason the twelfth was ringing a bell as far as when gears things start ramping up, but it might be the fourteenth. Yeah, like media day is going to go on and then uh, training camp won't be too much longer after. But I think every team is going to be different on when they start going. But regardless, I think it's going to be when training camp starts to go. And I think it's going to be five to six. And I think he's going to get the 11, (laughs) which is scary. So 11 over five to six. Okay. Yeah, I don't like it, but it's sad that that's my prediction. Well, we're going to be we're going to be checking back in. Right as training camp should be gearing up, so let's see what let's see what happens. Well, if we're gonna move between RFAs here, we finally got another one off the board. Zach Wierenski. three years, five million per, which is a steal for the Blue Jackets. He was with Dallas before, correct? No, he was a blue. He was, was a Blue Jacket. He was always a blue jacket. Wow, I missed that. You got you probably you got names mixed up. Yeah, it seems like people are. I so okay. So what are the terms of that deal? You said three years, five million per. So fifteen for the full three years. Played with Columbus the last three seasons. Uh, this is a defenseman, by the way. I don't know if you it's, know. I know the name. Couldn't put it. I'm just trying to find his stats. Do you have his stats up there? Yeah, I got it. What are his numbers? So in his rookie campaign in 2016-17, he had 47 points. Then he had 37 the next year and 44 in this past season where the Blue Jackets made their second round playoff run. And in the playoffs, he has 10 10 points in 19 career games which is pretty good for a defenseman. He's averaging almost 0.5 points per game, just like he is in the regular season. So pretty consistent player overall. Is very offensively capable and offensively minded. Tortorella wanted him to attend camp, like we were talking about, and here he is attending camp. So 
that's good for them. You got anything to say on that, or are you just trying to figure out who Zach Wierenski is? <laughs> Google, Google, Google. <laughs> no, I just I like to look at the points. You say it's a steal right off the bat. Yeah. So if he's averaging five million, I'm expecting he's in the forty to fifty point range. If you're saying a steal, especially for a D man. Yeah, he's. I'm thinking forty to fifty point range is a steal, and those numbers you're spitting out line up right off the bat. And I like it. His games played are high. I would say he's on track to be one of the, I'm not going to say top 10, but one of the higher caliber offensive defense in the league. He's still a young player, too. He's got a lot of time to develop that, especially with the Blue Jackets needing to get younger now after going all in last season. Didn't work out so well for them. But they got their top D guy, or actually not their top D guy. Seth Jones would be their top guy, but uh, definitely a good second man. For Jonesy, Wierenski, I forget when he was drafted. If you want to look into that for me, that would be yeah. awesome. But, 2015, uh, eighth overall. You thought you got that pretty quick. Eighth overall, yeah. really? And he's wow. 22 right now. I didn't realize he went that high. I thought he was a mid-round pick. They were projecting, obviously. He's he's lived up to it, which is which Yeah, is the, the Jackets have had a knack for that, even with that Dubois pick at third overall not too long ago. That worked out pretty well for them. So they got Wierenski, Dubois, Jones, who's still incredibly young. The no one really, he it just feels like he's been in the league forever. He plays like a veteran, and Wierenski would be, I think he's still got some work to do on the defensive end. But you know, he'll get better. He's young. I believe he's twenty two. Yeah, he's twenty two, and I think he's going to be a consistently good player for them for a long time coming it, even though it's a bridge deal it does take him into 25 which i believe would take him into his arbitration years if i'm not mistaken you want you want to look up when uh, arbitration years are for nhl or do you have anything to add no just talking about you mentioned jones and i agree that he would be Rinsky is definitely a good pairing for jones Jones has been in the league since 2013, and like you said, he's a veteran. He's putting up numbers that are just a little better than uh, Zachary Wierenski, sorry. So I think that would be, as far as the Jackets are concerned, the number one pairing and a very good, strong pairing to help boost their per- offensive production coming up to this year where they've lost Duchesne, they've lost Bobs, they've lost Panarin. Mm-hmm. They're going to need that boost. So can confirm that Zach Wierenski would be going into arbitration. Uh, so you know how arbitration works? Just making sure. Okay. Not a clue. Sweet. Oh, I get to explain arbitration. That's fun. Set you so up. basically, uh, RFAs, when they have four years of NHL experience, they can apply for arbitration. So, for example, let's say, let's take Marner negotiations as an example actually let's say they were going to arbitration which they can't do because Marner's only played three years but if they did let's say the Leafs are like we want to give him nine and a half Marner's like well we want twelve and a half they go to a meeting and then this one dude who's an arbitrator just says this is the money you're getting here's Toronto you can offer him this if you want or you can't but this is Mitchell Marner this is what you're getting offered to you that's just the way it is, and it would be so much more <laughs> helpful. And Marner would be signed. Problem solved. I think, Hallelujah. I think all of these RFAs would be signed pretty soon if 
they were all eligible for arbitration. But at the end of the day, that wouldn't be very <laughs> good for the players. No. Because they would be in a situation where they're kind of getting uh, snubbed out of some a lot of their money coming out of their entry-level deals. So this arbitration rule helps, helps them in that regard. And uh, let's say that's... That's why teams do bridge deals because they know that they they'll have more more legs to stand on when it comes to the next negotiation. So next, his next extension might be like six and a half seven after the three years. Just just depends on how he plays, but uh, we'll see how that one goes. And man, I just wish arbitration was required for everyone. If you weren't at training camp, I no holdouts, no nothing, no stress. It would be amazing. No stress for us. That's what you're. That's what you're getting at. Oh yeah, but the, but I also we also understand that uh, it's just it doesn't work out too well for the players because they don't they don't get what they want. It's business, and it, it it's a negotiation. And at the end of the day, if you have to bring an arbitrator in, it also doesn't really sit well. It just it's it must be kind of awkward when you're going in to argue why you're not worth this much and your own team is saying why you're not worth this much it must be uh rather degrading and a little bit of uh not embarrassing is a little strong word but you know you don't like to hear that coming from your own team and who who they always say they've always believed in you no i i gotta i can agree with that wholeheartedly it's uh awkward situation that definitely does cut ties a little between the organization and teams or has the potential to. So if you want a full breakdown of the deal, the first year is four million, second year is also four, and then after that is seven in the final year. I like that. It's good for and is if he gets sent to the minors somehow, he still gets paid that same amount of money. I was gonna say he's that last year twenty one twenty two is gonna be a good year for him. Oh yeah, that sure will. So we got a few another RFA who actually resigned uh was it today or was it yesterday? Kevin Fiala was today, right? Kevin Fiala was Kevin today. Kevin Fiala was today. He's the one I saw today. Right. You sent me a post, and I immediately said, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I just thought we should bring it up. I like the deal. It, it's a good – it's a bridge deal. It is what it is. It's not a steal by any means. Fiala, for those of you who don't remember, had a very scary injury – not too long ago, when he basically broke his leg in probably the hardest way to possibly break a leg. I've never seen... It's basically the, the bone between your knee and your hip. And that snapped somehow. That's, that's Your knee and your hip is your femur. Your femur. That's yeah. it. Couldn't remember. There you go. Yeah. Broke his femur. That's... Uh... What's well, a nasty injury. You got a lot of, lot of physiotherapy. It's one of your big muscles, your strong muscles. Key for skating, obviously, and has a lot of potential risks with that injury. Big one being internal bleeding, just never be the same. Man came back and played the next year, <laughs> somehow. You know what I mean? If this was basketball, he would not play. Not He'd be done for an entire season, at least. He got hurt, I think it was in the conference final of the playoffs. Came back the next season, which would have been approximately five months later. Which, what what season a, was he injured? It was twenty. It was when they made their cup run. They were in the final in seventeen. No, it wasn't in the conference final. It was in the first or second round, actually. 
Okay. Because he played five games, and then he got that stupid bad injury. Had a pretty good season the next year. Actually, he set a career high in points, which was uh, 48 in 80 games. And yeah. then he went to Nat- to Minnesota yeah. in the, the trade that Paul Fenton uh, executed because he was a big fan of Kevin Fiala's. And he traded Michael Grandland, which was not a good deal from the start. And if you want some context on Michael Grandland, I can put... Pull up his stats. I believe he had sixty points. We're gonna overlook the fact that he was traded to Minnesota, played nineteen games, and then traded back to Nashville. What, he wasn't traded back to Nashville. No, did I have this backwards? Yeah, the, it, the way cap. Are you on cap friendly? Looking at it. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. At cap friendly has it listed backwards. He's. Uh, I wonder why that didn't make sense. I don't know why it's listed that way, but yeah, he played for Nashville. Got traded to Minnesota. Uh, I believe is at the trade deadline for Michael Grandlin. So let's put it into perspective. Fiala, his, his career high was 48 points in one season, and that was in 80 games. You want to hear Michael Grandlin's? 69. In how many games? That was in 81. So who won that deal? I wonder. <laughs> it's Nashville made out like bandits because Paul Fenton actually used to work for the Predators before he went on to become the GM of the Minnesota Wild for 14 months and uh, was a big fan of Kevin Fiala's and went out and acquired him by any means necessary. And I believe, according to, uh, I believe his name Michael Russo. I know his last name is Russo, but he writes for The Athletic and he had a uh, big article on Paul Fenton basically exposing everything that was wrong with his tenure. And not to bash him, it's just what is available online and what you can read. He was such a big fan of Kevin Fiala that management had to talk him down from giving up less. So Michael, they, he was going to give up Michael Granlin and more just for Kevin Fiala. And not to say Kevin Fiala is a bad player, he's well, not worth Michael Granlin, and he's certainly not worth more than Michael Granlin. No, this is just... Back context on Fiala, this is a 2014 11th overall draft pick drafted by Nashville who put up, I mean, he put up good numbers going back to before he was drafted. Nothing amazing, nothing that stands out from his early years, but he was a prospect nonetheless. And he was, I I don't know if I would have picked him myself 11th overall, but Nashville made a choice and they, yeah. He did okay again, like you said. His 48-point season was the high. I'm not too sure who went after him in that draft, but what I do know about the contract itself is it's a bridge deal. Like I said before, it's not anything too special. $3 million for Kevin Fiala isn't much of a risk. It's also not much of a big reward or a steal. It's an average deal. It's just if he grows and excels more this year especially coming off an entry level deal it's very possible that the deal can look better but at the same time with it only being two years we could see when that deal expires uh, arbitration is available and we could see him asking for a lot more or he could disappoint and we could be seeing him getting a pay cut or getting the same salary 
Are you looking at... I saw you, I heard you chuckling. Uh, what did you find? Just looking at Fiala's draft year. Notable names. Aaron Eklad, Sam Reinhardt, Leon Dreinsidel. Going further down the list. Who went after him, though? That's the main thing. Sorry. I, I want to say Nylander was eighth overall that year. And after Fiala was Brendan Perlini. Oh, really? Ugh. Yeah. He's in Chicago now. He was an Arizona draft pick, right? Arizona and he was trade. Him and uh, Dylan Strom were traded to Chicago for Nick Schmaltz. That was last year. Yeah, that was last year. Anyone else notable that went after that? Not that I can... Uh, Nick Schmaltz was 20th overall that year. Let's see. Casperi uh, Kapanen, local oh. Leafs boy. We can we can appreciate that. Traded by the Penguins, acquired through the Kessel trade. Iconic. Um, David, David Pasternak. He was oh. 25th? Yeah, he went really late in that draft. I forgot it was that wow. year. Jeez. It was, that, uh, that's, that's a steal. good pick by the Boston. That's probably the best pick of that draft. Because... Pasternak is arguably the one of the better Bruins on the team, and you got Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand on that team. Pasternak could already be, I think he had eighty-eight points this past season. So, I think that's the most out of anyone on that uh, on that draft board. No one else notable. No but one else. That's oh, funny. Look at that. Wow. So Kevin Fiala signing for a three million average was drafted higher than Pasternak in that year. And David Pasternak is getting about just more than double of that. Have you seen his deal? No, but if you're saying it's just more than double, that sounds like a steal. It is. Six million it's it's six million six hundred sixty six thousand six hundred sixty seven or sixty six dollars. It's right just six 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 six. I don't like that. I don't a lot of people don't like that. And it's, it's lucky just kinda six. odd. But a little more breakdown on the Fiala deal. There's no clauses, anything like that. Base salary of $2.5 million in the first year, $3.5 in the next. No performance bonuses or salary bonus or signing bonuses. And that's pretty much it for Kevin Fiala. Not a whole lot to the deal, but it's an interesting situation with Paul Fenton being fired from his uh, position with the Wild recently and Bill Guerin coming in to fill in that role and I think he just wants to see what Kevin Fiala got for now and that's why we see a bridge deal mm-hmm. and uh, Fiala's got it that's for, that's for sure I don't know if he, he could definitely be worth 3 million he's just got to keep keep up the consistency and we'll see how that turns out but uh, we got uh, one more signing before we move on and that's Jake Gardner who, everyone's probably going to hate me for saying this, who I'm really sad didn't sign with the Leafs. I know he's a very uh, divisive character in Toronto, but uh, I really liked his game. I could go without all the key turnovers. But uh, hey, what you going to do? Every player has his flaws. And uh, honestly, I... It's a steal of a deal for Carolina because Gardner was making 5.3... Never mind, he's making 4.05 and is getting paid the exact same. <laughs> so the rumors were always that Gardner was waiting for Marner to sign and that he wanted to be a part of uh, Toronto's team still. I, I'm kind of shocked by that based on the treatment that he gets from the fan base because, <laughs> oh man, does he, he doesn't deserve it. No one deserves 
all the heat that he gets. He's kind of like the scapegoat. Whenever something's wrong, it's Jake Gardner's fault. But uh, it's never really true. See ourselves at a point where he's gone and we don't... A lot of the fan base is rejoicing and a lot of the fan base is in sadness. I was going to say, I think there are going to be a lot of fans who are going to realize or who already realize that this does put a bit of a hole in the Leafs' defensive core. I hope you know that this means that Toronto and Carolina are going to play in the first round and Jake Gardner is going to score the Game 7 winning goal, right? I'm rooting for Anderson in that matchup, but yeah, I can see that happening. The storm surge will knock the leaves off the tree. Oh my god. That was so... That's just going to be their marketing campaign for the playoffs if they end up playing each other. Use the storm to knock the leaves off the tree. Wow. It's... You look at his seasons, he dipped a bit. He started... He's had good seasons playing most games, mostly full seasons, putting up good points. It was, uh, did you say a four, 4 million average? Just four, under 4.05. 4. 4. 4.05. He's putting up points that I can definitely agree with that contract. And I think Carolina could use, needed him. Because if you look at his point production, does that do the numbers look anything similar to you? How about Zach Wierenski? You read my mind. A little, uh, little higher? Yeah, he puts up more points than Zach Wierenski. I would, I think Wierenski might be slightly better defensively because Gardner is known to panic from time to time when it comes to handling the puck in his own zone. But other than that, there's a lot of similarities between the two players. I also think Wierenski's playoff record is uh, a little, or sorry, playoff points are a little better. Gardner in 16, 17, six games, four points. 17, 18, seven games, two points. 18, 19, 7 games, 0 points. Yeah, Wierenski's on a better point per game, but Gardner technically has more points. But yeah. uh, it's pretty simple. Like, they're very similar players. And Wierenski's getting paid more as the young player. Like, take that in the perspective. And I've also seen some of the comparable contracts to this, and it is, like, laughable. Some of the guys that are getting paid the same. Chris Russell. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's the closest comparable. He has been bad for the Oilers, and that's being nice. What's like, he? Is he is he higher or lower? Um, he is lower by fifty thousand dollars. I was going to so say. It's yeah, not I, hope, I hope to God he's lower. Yeah. It, it's a contract that has not helped the Oilers succeed. That's for sure. It is uh, definitely a thorn in their side. It hasn't helped them a lot. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov with the Winnipeg Jets, which expires. Within the next year, he gets paid more than Jake Gardner. Dmitry, Kul- uh, Dmitry Kulikov, a total of six points last year. Wow. He gets paid more than Jake Gardner. It's a good deal by the Hurricanes. It is a very good deal by the Hurricanes. I think they jumped on an opportunity because, like you said, there was word that Gardner was going to wait for Marner to sign, but the Hurricanes definitely jumped on and saw an opportunity there to get a good first or second line defenseman in their midst who is put up good offense, plays strong defense for the most part, overlooking the turnovers, and fill out their roster again for next season to try and uh, to try and put it all together, make another run. 
So I'll just rattle off a few of the names that were uh, a part of this list. Chris Russell, Dmitry Kulikov, Ian Cole, Dennis Seidenberg, Carl Alsner, who is buried in the minors right now, Braden Coburn, Calvin DeHaan, still a really good defender, Eric Branson, just to name a few. And none of these guys are analytical darlings by any means. <laughs> they have They are borderline players that get a lot of money and therefore they stay in the lineups because they don't want to be wasted, even though they probably wouldn't be able to crack a lineup compared to maybe a younger guy. Jake Gardner, on the other hand, can crack your lineup every night and put up 50 points while doing it every season. So it's a steal of a deal for the Hurricanes' decor. And right now, their decor consists of probably the best one I've seen. Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, who Slavin is the most underrated defender in the league, and he's probably one of the best. Yeah. No one talks about him. You're going on record with that one? Going on record. Jacob like Slavin it. is one of the best defenders in the league. Justin Falk, who might get traded. We're going to talk about that soon. Uh, Jake Gardner, Brett Pesci, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. That's your top six right now. Having Jake Gardner, uh, Brett Pesci, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk as your bottom six D, <laughs> that's nuts. <laughs> Well, and looking at when they've they're all going up for free agency, they've spaced them out nicely. Oh yeah, Slavin's and, booked in till twenty five, twenty six. Hamilton's booked in till twenty one, twenty two. Gardner's twenty three, twenty four. Uh, was it P- Pesk? Pesci. Pesci. Yep. Pesci's twenty four, twenty five, and then Van Riemsdyk, Forslane, and Flurry are all twenty twenty one. Two of those, sorry, Forslane and Flurry, are both restricted free agents though. Yeah. So they're they're they've got a defensive core that can stick around for a while. And Justin Falk is the only one that sticks out because he only has the one year. But if they do shift him for the rumor of Andre Andre Akasha, who is a young player who I think is signed for two years right now and is still an RFA after his contract expires, that makes their forward core even better. This team on it and I I saw this on Twitter the other day. It was uh, betting odds on the Carolina Hurricanes making the playoffs. Go bet on them to make the playoffs because it's criminally low for some reason, even though their team significantly improved in a lot of ways. And they're probably going to run – Not, I wouldn't say they'll run away with the Metro, but they're going to be up there. It's When you pointed that out, I had to take, go take a look for myself. It's similar to when Vegas came into the league their odds were crumbs to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And the people who put money on that are rich. But the thing with Vegas was that no one ever thought they were going to make playoffs. They, Wait, they, they, they knew what they were doing, though. We, we, we didn't know that. They're a team. Yeah. We didn't know that they, were, they knew what they were doing. We thought that they were just picking up a bunch of third-line, second and third, third-line guys who are just going to play for them for a bit and work through trade deadlines, drafts, and it'll be a few years before they can, can compete. Little did we know, they picked guys who were overlooked for basically their entire career and put up career years, almost each and every one of them. William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, Riley Smith. These guys were taken out of the dust. (laughs) And that Florida trade that they made, oh my God. They picked, Florida traded Riley Smith to them and told them, can you please, for the love of God, pick Jonathan (laughs) Marcheseau? And look how that worked out. <laughs> well, and I just you look at you and look at how Carolina has been slowly building their roster, putting players on there that are 
overlooked, underrated, underpaid. Oh yeah, they at Aho at eight point at eight point five is great their deal. highest contract, which is unreal. Sorry, let me just check, check, check. Yes, is their highest contract on the entire team, defense and goalies included. And to say that this team has not great odds to make playoffs, it's on Bodog, by the way. If you really do want to go make a bet on that, but I didn't I'm, send, you know. I didn't send you there. But uh, anyway, it's just unbelievable that this team is being so overlooked, and I can see a cup within the next four years, and I don't doubt it. And if they don't make it, not even make it to the final, if they don't win a cup in four years, I'll be surprised. Because they've got a good system, still. Pet, uh, Petr Mrazek is, if he can consistently play the way he's been, is gonna be great. I was gonna say they need another goalie. I want to see a third goalie put on there. I've been following Mrazek since he was playing for the 67s. I love the guy, and I think he's gonna come up huge in the next couple years. But he's getting paid less than Reimer. Uh, Reimer was signed in free agency by the Panthers. He was traded to the Hurricanes this past season because Scott Darling needed to come off the books for the Hurricanes, who was also paid more than Mrazek. Which was a... I didn't like that deal. I, I didn't like it from the get-go. I wrote about it recently, actually. If you want to check out the Good Luck Puck blog, like where this is going to get posted, I talked about Darling, and immediately that contract looked bad. And Shameless plug. It's not a shameless plug if you got to go through my website to get to the podcast. But uh, anyway, yeah, so Scott Darling didn't look great uh, from a contract standpoint to, to begin with. We were all hoping that he would surprise us. He didn't. But uh, James Reimer just had a down year this past year in Florida, and I think he can do a lot better than what he has been doing recently. So we'll see how that turns out. And honestly, I... Not actually gonna put my money because I don't bet. That's you know, that's no fun. It it's just I just don't like it. But uh, if I was a betting man, I would put money on this team to win within the next three to four years because they are getting better and better every year, and they have the best contracts in the league. And the cap's only gonna go up for them to sign more people. So be prepared for this team to contend for a long time coming, and be ready soon. Because it's going to come sooner rather than later. And I think next year they're going to contend. And I don't know if they'll win the cup, but they're going to contend. Because the trade deadline can still come around. And they can pick up third, even second line guys. Even a fourth line guy if they want. They don't need to improve their D. They can do what the car, the ball is in their court at this point. I'm being serious. No, they, I totally agree. They, they need to pounce on this opportunity. Because this might be the best opportunity they've had to win the cup since 06. And that's when they—that's the last time they won. That was a good. That was a good year as well. Cam Ward playing out of his mind. I was gonna—I have that poster on my wall. If Mra- if Mrazek can come up huge like he has been for the Canes this past season, this team is going to be phenomenal this year. And I think they—they they might win the Metro, but I—I I can't see them beating the Caps still. That's that's the tough part. And uh, the Rangers are gonna be good. I don't think they'll be in a metro spot they'll probably contend for a wild card at best but it's still going to be a few years before the rangers contend i think the the hurricanes are the most potent team to contend out of all teams in the metro and now that we're on the subject of the canes we can move on to justin folk who is reportedly in talks 
with the Anaheim Ducks about a contract extension, are you probably thinking, wait, isn't he under contract with the Hurricanes? So according to Pierre Lebrun, oh, is Elliot Tiford of the Orange County Register, and Pierre Lebrun is supporting it. That's the situation there. That uh, Justin Falk is most likely moving to the Anaheim Ducks within the next little bit, as they're they have a trade in place between the Canes and the Ducks. But right now, in order for Justin Falk to waive his no modified no trade clause, he wants to sign a, an extension with the Ducks before he gets dealt. Therefore, he puts himself in a good spot where he can stay in Anaheim and have that security so he doesn't have to go to Anaheim for a year and then just get out and get go to a new team in free agency so he doesn't get stuck. The reported return for Justin Falk right now it has Andre Kasha in... Uh, Andre Kasha is the reported return right now, and he, consistently good young player for the Ducks, had a bit of a down year like everyone else did on, on the team. He had 38 points in 2017-18, only played 30 games in 2018-19, but had 20 points. So he was averaging 0.67 points per game, which is phenomenal for for a player of his age. And he's a phenomenal transition player. Advanced Stats loves him to death, and Justin Falk not so much. This deal, if it does get done, is going to look awful for the Ducks, because what's happening right now is basically backwards for how a trade should work. You have a team who's contending and a team that is rebuilding. The rebuilding team is looking to gain an asset who would help them would help them contend, where the contending team is looking to gain an asset that will help them get younger, even though that younger player will help them immediately get better on the for, on in the regard of forwards. Does this deal make sense to you at all? Because it doesn't to me. No. No. But we know who's going to win the deal. If they're actually going to go through with it, then I, I'm i just surprised that they're actually considering If If, if it's already gone to media and they're already talking about it, I'm I'm a little shocked. But Yeah, Justin Falk was asked about it. He made no comment. He didn't say, no, it's not mm-hmm. happening. He didn't say yes. He just said he wasn't going to comment on it. So... Which usually means that it's at least being talked about by both parties. Yeah, exactly. And also the other rumor is there because there's no contract still and the teams around the league are offering more for Justin Falk now to try and get him. But the Canes have wanted Kasha apparently for a while and that was always going to be the return if he went to Anaheim. Like Kasha was is always gonna be involved in that deal, and he it looks like it's just a matter of time before this deal comes through. But if you want uh, some info on Justin Falk, he's getting paid four point eight three endless threes, pretty much across after that until <laughs> until the end of this season, and uh, he put up thirty five points in eighty two games this past year. Good offensively. Pretty good defensively too, not terrible, but he's also not the greatest. But at four point eight three million dollars, that's a pretty good deal to have on to have as a supporting role on your team, especially on a team like the Canes, where you don't have a lot of guys who are signed to a significant amount of the cap. 
they're pretty much on the books. They have guys who are signed between six to two to six million dollars with Aho at eight and a half. Yeah, and the defense, the defensive core, is even is completely off topic. But the defensive core is even less. They're barely. No, that's no, not off topic. They're barely getting. Um, I don't think anything's higher than five million in the defensive core, which is they've done really well to build this team to not break the cap and to allow themselves to in the next couple of years make a push and sign big deals with big players and to have Jake Gardner sign and which would likely put Brett Pesci or or Jake Gardner on the third pairing that's nuts Jake Gardner on the third pairing would be I mean that would be awesome for the Canes to have him as your third. Yeah, because you got Falk, Hamilton, and Gardner, who I would say are more offensively minded defensemen, which yeah. would give you you won't, you don't want two of those guys together. No. So you'd probably have the pairings would be a mix. You got not that they're going to play on the left side and the right side, but you got the offensive guys: Gardner, Hamilton, and uh, who was the other guy? I said Justin Falk. And then on the other side, you got Slavin, Pesci, and Van Riemsdyk. And you're basically going to mix and match these guys all season. Yeah. Left to right. Then they play on whatever side they need to. Well, and having three defense that are strong on the offense, too, gives you the chance to mess with your power play unit. To switch it up. And to have three defensemen is perfect. Because that means your first and second unit you know is going to have a strong offensive defenseman. To be able to push the pace, push the puck up, and try and keep it in their zone. Which is, well, obviously that's how you win games. And with that being said, I really respect Carolina for moving Falk toward to even though their defensive core is so strong, because at the end of the day you can get Kasha locked up for a while because he's got two years for you if you if he if he plays for you this year, you have his RFA years which would go to arbitration, so you have the leg up there rather than Falk for one year. Exactly what I was going to say. So that works out really good for them, I think. You could that that's what I mean. Like with the Canes contending, they've made all these moves that help them in the long term in the future, where they're not short sighted. Yeah, they're contending now because they just made the conference final, but they're still going to deal Falk most likely because they know it's what's best for the team. They're not going to do what's best for the team right now. They're going to do what's best for the team in the long term. They don't. That's the thing about a lot of teams. They just want to make the playoffs and have this idea of well, anything's possible. Yeah, but there's, anything's possible for six for fifteen other teams too who make the playoffs. Well, they showed also this year anything's possible. Oh, absolutely, they showed that. But at the same time, you can't be betting on anything's possible. I don't think. No. You you sure Tampa put up 130 points and got swept in the first round? <laughs> we're not going to talk. We're not going to you know. <laughs> They, Steve, Steve's a hardcore Leaf fan, so that, that just broke his heart to pieces. About the Lightning? Yeah. Not really. I, I'm, I, I like the Lightning. I, I really like Azerman as a GM, and I like Detroit now a lot because I, I just want to follow Azerman and see what he does with the team. But, uh, yeah, like it just shows that you, you can be a 130-point team or you can be a 99-point team. Anyone can, make, can go to the final. But at the same time, you had Boston, who was arguably the second-best team in that playoff, make the final. It's anyone's game. Just because you make the playoffs doesn't mean you're going to be amazing in the playoffs. Anything can happen. You can show up, lay an egg, and be awful. You need to build the team in order of becoming the strongest it could possibly be in the long term. Because So if they get Kasha, and they can even build the, the decor more than that, because they still got Jake Bean in the system. They have a Yanni Kokinen in the system. 
who's done really well in Charlotte, and I wouldn't be surprised if he plays with the Canes soon. Honestly, this this team has a lot good going for them, and if they can execute this trade and fleece the Ducks like a lot of teams seem to have been doing recently, this is going to help them so much. And on the Ducks' end, I just don't understand. I, Your team had arguably one of the most disappointing and borderline bad seasons they've had in a long time, and your first move is to try and go get better. Your, your division consists of Vegas... San Jose. Strong, strong. Who else is in that division? Calgary is in that division too. Also strong. And the rest, those are basically your top three in that division for a long time to come now. The rest of the team, you got Vancouver, Edmonton, Anaheim, and Los Angeles, who have been okay to bat, to mediocre at best for the most part. You're just fighting with them at that point, and you're not going to make the wild card because the Central is getting stacked. Because you got Nashville, who's going to be great. Winnipeg's going to have a pretty good season this year, too, as long as they get one of uh, Kyle Connor or Patrick Laine signed. Who, uh, who else? Chicago's going to make a good run. They made a phenomenal run at the end of the season and almost made the playoffs. I can see them almost doing that again. But uh, if not, make a wild card. They could do that. There's just not enough space for Anaheim this year to make, to make it into the playoffs. And I just don't understand what they're seeing in the team, especially with Getzlaff getting older. He's still a great player. In fact, he's probably still a phenomenal player. Corey Perry off the books now. It's just it's just a big transitional year for the Ducks, and I just don't understand why they're trying to compete. Sure, if they get Falk signed, it's good, because then they actually have him locked up, and he could be a big part of this team for a long time coming. Who knows? could be like three, four years, or it could be... Six or seven. Six or seven is probably not on the good side for them, as Falk does happen to be 27, and you don't want him locked up too long-term after this season, because that could be pretty scary once you get into the the later half of a long-term deal on a player who's turning 28. But, uh, I don't know. Can I, any opinions on Anaheim? Because I think I've worn them thin. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to dig deep too into them. They're, uh, they're hurting after what you just said. <laughs> the, That's just, for sure. Just the roster, looking at it, you, you've got a lot of players who are aging 25, even 28. You're talking 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 of their forwards. 10 out of 14 forwards are 25 and older. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 5 out of their 6 defensemen are 25 and older. Uh, 4 out of those are 27 and older. You've got Gibson, 26. He's in his. He's going to continue to stand up if he doesn't get hurt. Oh, he's going to stand on his head for that team for a long time. But we've seen that with prices. There's only so much the goalie can do to try and win it for the team. That's why you don't build around the goalie. And a lot of people have started to realize that because you got Carey Price, probably, arguably the best goalie in the world. No cup, no cups. Bobrovsky is up there too. No, no cups. cups. Lundqvist, no cups. Who has cups? Jordan Binnington. He just. Brayden Holpe. Is Jordan Binnington going to have that good of a season next year? Absolutely not. I hope. It would be nice, but there's no way he can keep that up. That would be crazy if he did that. The only exception to not building a team around the, a goalie is when Vegas went out and got Flurry. Yeah, they that's different. knew they could 
they had a plan with the with the roster. The offense and the defense were strategically picked, but they knew that they had Flurry as their solid goaltender, and they knew they could rely on him no matter what. Yeah, because you could say a lot of those forwards in defense were still gambles because yes. they they weren't proven, and they just hap- it just happened to be the right fit for a lot of them. Flurry was the sure the surefire shot. Yeah, he was going to be great for them, and he was going to be good for them for base probably the rest of his career. He'll be good for them, but uh, just looking. Back to the Ducks, they're, uh, with their forward court, they have five guys that are under the age of twenty or 23 and under who are projected to make their opening night roster. That's, And we're going to go from basically on the first line, this is Cap Friendly's uh, depth chart predictions, Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha are on the top line. They're probably going to shift Andre Kasha, which is not good. Yeah. Uh, Sam Steele is the center on the third line. I really like Sam Steele. Put up 100-plus points in the WHL not too long ago and is looking like he'll be a really big steal in the, in that draft. Max Jones is probably going to play on the fourth line this year, and so is Troy Terry, but I don't think Troy Terry is going to stay on the fourth line for very long. I think he's going to play on the third a lot, maybe even the second, but I just don't see why Kasha is the right guy to deal, especially at this time. Yeah, put it Giving away Falk... Or sorry, getting Falk in return to put on their defensive core, which they only have six defense right now. Falk's, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the number one slot to be on the first line. Justin Falk? Yeah. Oh, I absolutely. Him, I would put him, he'd be the first pairing without a doubt, which probably bumps, I'm going to yeah, say... Yeah, because he's a right-handed shot. Yeah. And he probably, probably bumps Josh Manson to the second line right... Uh, Right D, because Cam Fowler is a left-handed shot. Yeah, and I would put so, Cam, Cam Fowler down on the third. I think I actually think Cam Fowler you, would be the left D on that pair. You'd keep Cam Fowler and drop yeah, down I would Brendan Gould. Go- yeah, my my pairings would be Lindholm, Falk on the first. Okay. Uh, Fowler on the left side and uh, Manson. Manson on the right, and then on the third line I would put probably would I want Larson or Huckett. I'd want Jacob Larson and Brandon Gould because I want Gould to get some ice time if I want if he's on my team. So really, you can see that putting it like that, you're giving away your your first one of your first line wingers for a top pairing defenseman, but like your D is in, still, their a, D is still a strong in a if, push. You're especially to get, you want to bounce back, you want to get to the playoffs, and that's what you're gonna move. Looking at it now, having Falk on their decor makes them a lot stronger. Yeah. And, but at the same time, their forward depth is not there. No, well, that's the thing. Is they, 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 they're losing forward depth for a strong defensive game, but that's not going to get them points. Adam, not as many points, sorry. Adam Henrique looks like he's going to be a good player for a little bit longer in his deal, but it's going to really deteriorate, d- deteriorate fast. And gets left only uh, forty-eight points in sixty-seven games. Hey, he's only got, probably he's got put up the same years. Gets left. Yeah, he's got two more. I think he'll put up about the same points per game as he did last year. Maybe a little less. I don't see him doing much more. But uh, I just don't see this team really pushing for much. I don't know what GM Bob Murray sees, but I don't know. 
maybe I'm the dumb one, and then they make the playoffs. Who knows? Yeah, I was gonna say it's a possibility. If they got a plan. Who knows how the plan's gonna fall together? Yeah. We we always talk about teams that uh, make questionable moves, and even moves that just don't seem horrible. They just seem kind of uh, like okay, I guess that makes sense. And then they work out from amazing. And then everyone's like, I knew it. I, well, no, no one knew. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe strengthening up the defense, of course, what they need. They lock down the defense. They minimize shots against Gibson. Gibson can last longer, goes further into the season, doesn't need to stand on his head. And the offense just has to get by with scoring one or two goals a game. It's not that's a great plan. It's going to be tough for them. It's not a great plan, but maybe that's... Gibson had a really good save percentage last year, but we forget the point where they were losing, I think, 10 and 12 games in a row around that area. He nice. had arguably one of the worst runs I've seen in any goalie have in a while. And if he does that again, this team is done. They're not making the playoffs. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Gibson is not in an inconsistent goalie by any means. He's probably one of the most consistent goalies in the world. So... We'll see how that goes because I think his save percentage before that was in almost 930 and he wasn't going to continue that. Yeah, just looking back to his first season with the Ducks, he played three games. can really write that off. 23 games. We'll start with 15-16, his first 40-game season. He had a 920 save percentage. He was splitting time with Anderson at that point. Yeah. fifty. Next season was 52 games, 924. Next season was 60 games, 926. Last season, sorry, past season, 58 games, 917. Pretty good. Pretty good. Consistency across the board. Goals against averages slowly crept up, but I'm curious to see how many shots he faced. I, th- I think he's up there as one of the highest. But uh, there's a reason he was Team North America's starting goalie. There was... No doubt that he was going to start for them in the World Cup because he was the best goal, best young goalie the, the NHL has seen in a long time. Arguably since Carey Price broke out in the league. And we might get, we might see that more now actually with Carter Hart. I don't think he's getting enough love. He might have well, he a, played well. He did play very well. And I think the Flyers are going to have a lot, a much better season than they did last year because they upped the decor. Nolan Patrick has to step up. That's one thing. I, he has to do a lot more than he has in the last two years. And Carter Hart looks like he's going to be a starting goalie in this league for a long time coming. This, It's it's tough to tell where they're going to end up. But it all, it, it, yeah, it starts with the goalie. Because if you don't have a good goalie in the net, you're not really going to get far. All you need, though, is a guy who's going to put up a 9-10 save percentage. And if you got a good decor in front of you, you're good. It's better to have a really good decor than have a really good goalie. Statistics have shown that having a really good decor is better, and teams win more when they have a stronger decor. I, there are some outliers, but that's that's just statistics. Yeah. That's how that works. You're gonna have outliers. And I think Dallas was a proven point. Dallas is always my go-to. Ben Bishop is a great goalie. He's not an amazing goalie. But they did the right thing to make his job easy. Oh, yeah. And his stats were always impressively good, impressively great, because his job was made easier by the defensive core. In Tampa, that was really evident, I found. But I found in I find in Dallas, their D-court is good. It's not Tampa. It's 
deteriorating a little, I think. But he had a better season with Dallas. Better two seasons with Dallas, or however long he's been there. He's played better, which yeah. is surprising. But you can't argue. He stepped into the role, and I, I was really happy to see him have a bounce back after well bounce back he was good it's with Tampa better. but he doing even couldn't better stay, was, couldn't, I think was awesome. couldn't stay healthy that was yeah he ever since he's been in Dallas he's stayed healthy really pretty much his entire stars career as far as I'm aware well and that's key to being consistent you gotta you gotta you gotta be healthy you gotta yeah I, I, I know what you, I know what you, you mean just, you, you gotta be healthy you gotta be there you gotta be around it keeps consistency it's it's the, the best thing you can have in a goalie is consistency. Yeah, that's all. I'd rather have a consistently bad goalie than have a goalie who's back and forth because at least I know what I have. If that might sound dumb, but I'd rather I'd rather know that I have a bad goalie. That's, yeah, that's the difference. Not wrong. Yeah. I'm just looking. Do you remember when Bishop used to play for the Ottawa? Sens? Yeah, okay. I, that was weird. That. He wasn't. He didn't play much. He wasn't awful, but I always felt like the Sens were a graveyard for goalies. Goalies oh, they have ended been. up going. Pascal Leclerc. Remember, we got him from Columbus. Man. We got Pascal Leclerc with a broken ankle from Columbus. He was supposed to be the savior. This was like 2012, I think. And didn't you have Craig Anderson still, or was he still with still, the Avalanche? We we didn't have Craig Anderson at that point. No, um, we had Martin Gerber at one point too. Oh he Jesus. He, he played well for us, but... Man, these names. I I just remember Pascal Leclerc was the saving grace of Ottawa, and he showed up that season, and I think he played 30 games. Oh, it, man. He came back from a broken ankle and just wasn't the same. Well... Bishop stats. It's not going to work for every goalie. It is what it is. Bishop stats. With the Lightning, he played 360-game seasons and then had a 39-game played season split between Tampa and Kings. In those four seasons, posted a 916, a 926, a 911, and about a 910 there. And with Dallas, he's posted a 916 and a 934. So he's had a really good tenure with the Stars. Good, good numbers, I and he's always had good numbers with Tampa and uh, Dallas. I think last year a 934 is a little on the higher side, but I don't think you have to worry about that blip going up. He's not going to have a 934 season. He might have a 920. Maybe no. a 915, but I don't think it's going to be no. in the 30s. or the, no. It won't be in the mid-20s or high, or 30s. It's not. It's just what it, it is what it is. But, I, th- yeah, I think that's everything I have to talk about today. Until next week, we'll see what happens as training camps gear up. Rookie camps come to a close to, uh, today or tomorrow, I believe. And hopefully some RFAs will sign and we'll have a really fun episode next week for you guys. And I hope you enjoyed listening to today and have a good night.